Yo, and welcome into week eight of pre-gaming the SEC. Jacob Pastor Chris Doring back with you for a, another week. We appreciate you tuning in, and we don't really care how you're taking us in. We're just glad to have you here with us as we pre-game this week, of course, in the SEC. And CD, we're starting to figure out what is what, who is who, and really get into the nitty-gritty of what it's going to look like. We think so in the SEC East, the SEC West. Some teams are kind of separating themselves as we get here in week number eight. Yeah, I thought that's what week seven was all about, really, was yeah. separation, particularly in the in the Eastern Division. Uh, some big games within that that side of the conference. And to see Florida go on the road and get a win, to see Missouri go on the road and get a win, separating themselves from, from Kentucky and South Carolina, respectively, uh, and keeping their hopes alive. I mean, let's be honest, Florida and South Carolina, excuse me, Florida and Missouri still basically control their own fate going forward yeah. with, with Georgia left on each of their schedules and having the opportunity to play one another uh, it definitely provides a little bit more clarity as to you know who really has a chance to get to Atlanta in December. Full disclosure, did we think that in week number eight, as we head into this week, that the SEC East would kind of be in question? It's not you know fully in question because Georgia obviously is still there at the top of the standings, but did you think we'd be going into this week and still wondering, okay, Missouri, Tennessee, Maybe they can. Maybe they can pull off the massive upset and get to Atlanta. Well, it makes sense if we think about it. I don't know that we've really projected it out that far, but with the schedule, you know, Georgia was kind of lit up nationally about how easy their schedule was in the first half. Yeah. You look down the stretch, they're on a bye week coming up this week, but have to take on Florida. They got to take on Ole Miss. They play Missouri. They got to go to Tennessee. So really the biggest games on their schedule remain, and it doesn't look quite as manageable as it once did. No, it does not, because the narrative of the offseason was, well, when they get to Tennessee, when they get to November, they get to Tennessee in Neyland, that's going to be the one. It's like, well, actually, like you take a look at what they have before, and yeah. now all of those games, Florida's not ranked, but they're right there on the you know, the edge of being ranked. And obviously, we know that series and how that game can go, but like now these teams are ranked. Well, now you've got Missouri you've got playing too. at a high level. Brock Bowers being out as well adds some intrigue to that story, too. Without question, like the people that are and people I respect that are hand waving that injury off, like oh, it's Georgia, they've got dudes. They do have dudes. They don't have another unicorn. Yeah, like Brock Bowers is special. He changes the game. He changes it with the ball, without the ball, when they're running the ball. Everything that Georgia wants to do offensively, I would almost say runs through him because if I'm a defensive coordinator. Well, I go into every single Monday morning meeting when I'm playing Jordan and say, well, let me circle him. This guy can't beat us. And yeah. now you're without him. Delp's a good player. He ain't Brock Bowers. No. The great part about it, too, you get Lad McConkey back, uh, hopefully at 100%. Um, he's going to be a guy that'll have to pick up some of the slack. He's been a, a focal point of that offense. And I think I mentioned it to you earlier in the week on, on one of the other shows we did together. But uh, the fact that he was more of the third down target for this Georgia offense last year than Brock yeah. Bowers was indicates what they they think about him. But to your point, how much of that was because the attention of the defense was on Brock Bowers and saying, hey, I'm not going to yeah. let this guy beat us. Somebody else is going to have to have it. So you know, who are the other folks that step up? I think that'll be interesting to see what they work on during the bye week. Um, if you had to lose lad it, or excuse me, if you had to lose Brock, probably the best time to do it was before the the bye week to give yourself an opportunity to acclimate to see what life looks like yeah. without him. Uh, but you know, my my hope is this: he comes back healthy, uh, Hester, whenever that is, 
and that we haven't seen the last of him in a Georgia uniform because this guy has yeah. been so fun to watch. Um, hopefully he can return to 100% and get a chance to play in some meaningful games down the stretch for them. Yeah, and I know some people are like, oh, good, no, Brock Bowers is out. Look, this is a special player that does everything the right way. It's hard for me not to want to see him yet again finish his college career on, on the path that he has really had consistently throughout yeah. his career. Like, I well, want this guy to do exactly what he's been doing. I want your opinion on this because I think you and I are a lot alike in so many different ways, but I've heard you know Gator fans say, oh, that's good, man. Brock Bowers is going to be out. I'm like, as a Florida guy, I want him to be out on the field. If, if we're going to beat Georgia – I want to beat the best version of Georgia. Yeah. I want to get 100% of what they got instead of having to look back at maybe an asterisk that said, oh, they were missing their best player. Like, I, I know there's no way he's going to be back for this ball game, but a competitor wants to see the best of their opponent when they get a chance yeah. to line up across from them. Yeah, you do. I mean, just the competitor in us. Like, every time we played a game, we wanted the best guys to be in there. You want to be able to say, you know, this was my individual matchup, and we yeah. went out there, and we won because we took care of player A, B, or C, whatever it is. And so... Yeah, I mean, Florida would be happy, dude. Let's don't get it twisted. They'd be thrilled that they beat the Georgia Bulldogs just because of who Georgia is and, and what they've become in college football, which is the standard of college football. But you always want the best to play, so we'll keep up with that. You're right. Like, you have at least this week. That's one of the four to six weeks that Brock Bowers won't be in there. But still, like, with the schedule they have coming up, like certain, like the Mizzou game, like, and that's a team that we'll talk about here today. That's That's a very interesting game with Brock Bowers. Certainly it is without him all right let's go ahead and get into hold my beer it's a segment we do to kick off every single pre-gaming the sec sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad right sometimes we kind of change it up on hold my beer i'm going to go i think this is the first time this year maybe if, it, if it's not the first maybe the second time my hold my beer is kind of a negative hold my beer we talked about LSU and Auburn, right? Auburn, 121st in passing offense. LSU, 121st in pass defense. Which bad was going to win out, right? And so I'm I'm saying this week that LSU's bad pass defense says, hold my beer. We're not the worst. The Auburn passing attack is actually the worst because you look at what they did or didn't do. 15 of 27. They only throw for 154 yards. That's between two quarterbacks. Only one score, no real dynamic plays against an LSU defense CD that had been giving up dynamic plays to Arkansas and to Ole Miss and to Mizzou. I mean, they had really grambling. Like, you can watch that game. I mean, they gave up plays in the passing game to an FCS opponent, but they held Auburn down because as bad as LSU's pass defense is, hold my beer, Auburn's pass offense is actually worse. You know what, though? I actually feel like... LSU may have turned the corner a little bit defensively. And, and we've seen this in the past, you know, that 2019 team, and I'm not certainly saying that that this team is uh, the same, but I, I not on defense similar. for sure. No, but but the defense, <laughs> remember, the defense wasn't yeah. that good till the end of the year. Remember, John Rice Plumley lit him up in Oxford late in the season, and there was some, you know, feeling that the sky was falling yeah. in Baton Rouge. But um, I do feel like if if I'm if I'm gonna be LSU's defense, if I'm if I'm Matt House. I'm going to be as aggressive as I can. If I'm going to beat, it's going to be getting beat playing with no an doubt. aggressive style. So, you know, I they only gave up, what, two scoring drives in the second half of that that um, ball game against Missouri a couple weeks yeah. ago. Uh, they only give up, what, two, I think, two scoring drives in this yeah. one, two or three scoring drives uh, if you factor in field goals. But the, um, the improvement that I saw uh, leads me to believe that they're tackling a little bit better and that yeah. they're aware of where they're supposed to be on the field a little bit better. And I think that's 
that's half the battle. Now, for me, Hess, um, I haven't had a chance to talk about holding my beer in a good way about my alma mater, but uh, this one goes there to we go. Hurts. Give it a clap, baby. It goes to uh, Ricky Pearsall. It yes, goes sir. to the entire Florida team. We're down 10, less than five to go. Hold my beer. Have no fear. Here comes right. Graham Mertz throwing the ball around. Man, what a great performance from him. Uh, over 400 yards passing, four touchdowns, only one interception. So, I, 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 I again, <laughs> this is me being optimistic, but I feel like Florida may have turned the corner a little bit. You shake off some of the road woes of Salt Lake City and Lexington early in the season. You yeah. play with some more energy. You have a greater sense of urgency, and you have fight all the way to the end of that ball game. I'm not saying this is a huge win by any means. South Carolina is just a two-win program right now. But I think what it represents and the jumping-off point that it could mean for Billy Napier and the rest of his team there in his second season in Gainesville uh, could be something you look back at and feel like maybe that was the the turning point. So you and I on off-campus yesterday, we talked about Iowa, right, going to the Big Ten just real, real quick, just to use it as a comp. Like all the things that we say about Iowa, they're true. I understand their offense, but they're six and one. Yeah. They're winning football games. Mm -hmm. All the things we say about Florida, and I'm not just saying, you know, I'm saying everybody in the SEC, you look up, they're five and two. You know what I'm saying? They're five and two with a chance in Jacksonville. If they win that game, they get to six and two and they have a win against the standard of college football for all the Billy Napier jokes, right? Uh, what was the the name that they were calling him, uh, you know, the Sunbelt Billy or whatever they were calling him earlier in the year. All that crap, all that goes away, yeah. right? And this is a team that, okay, the losses looked ugly. Well, there's a couple of teams in the SEC where we could say that LSU's losses look ugly, right? That was a close game against Ole Miss, but it's ugly because of how that game played out. The Florida State Open, that's an ugly loss, right? And, like, there's still teams that are winning games now. Like, they're getting into that stretch where they're getting consistent play, whatever it is for those two teams. But Florida, all the jokes, everything you wanted to say, well, you know what? They're 5-2, and two, and they still have a lot to play for. They do. They got a lot to play for, as we talked about earlier, with their goals still remaining out there, including getting to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. uh, the schedule, though, is very challenging for the Gators in the second half of the yeah. uh, the season here, as, as we talked about the uh, cocktail party coming up in the final weekend of October. You got to go to uh, Missouri in, in mid to late November, which uh, will be an interesting trip. Got Florida State coming at the end of the season. Um, you know, really, uh, the LSU trip is, uh, is, is upcoming as well. Can we get you so, down here? I mean, look, I man. know you're a big wig. I know you're in the studio. Can, <laughs> can we take a week off, right? Well, Hey, we'll pass the hat. We'll get whatever you make on a weekend at the SEC network. Just come up with a cough, act like you're sick. We'll pass the hat again. We'll get the funds and we'll make it worth your while. Like get I, down to Baton Rouge. I want to, but I don't know what the way that that bet between me and PB has gone the last four. Eventually it's going to swing your way though. I, you would think so. You know, the, the, the roulette wheel <laughs> is eventually going to stop hitting black and come up red one of these days. But yeah. uh, I don't know if this is the year it, it actually looks like a better matchup than maybe it once did uh, a couple weeks ago, but um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm a little bit burned after the, uh, the three touchdown favorite uh, loss to you guys uh, back in what 2020, and then the 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 two touchdown yeah, up uh, favorite losing there in Baton Rouge. So I'm gonna have to see it before I believe it, bro. Yeah, and just a little programming note: we have got former uh, Florida track star, current USA track star Grant Holloway joining us. He's our guest today on pregaming the SEC. He's number one in the SEC. world, bro. The number one ranked. Uh, 110 meter hurdle in the entire world. It's pretty amazing to think about what that means and the fact that we get a chance to talk to him here on this show.
Uh, very excited about it, man. You've got obviously uh, big time Olympics uh, coming up, and this is somebody that's firmly going to be looking work to be done. But if I had to count on someone, it's going to be Grant Holloway to get there and then to thrive once he gets there. So very excited for that conversation. Want to throw that in there since we were talking about the Florida Gators. All right, uh, CD. Before we go to last call, I want to remind you, like we always do, about our great partners over at Blue Delta Jeans. BlueDeltaJeans.com is the website. They've got all their incredible fall specials going on right now, so check those out on the website. Nothing feels as good as custom fits. We tell you that every single week, and it stays true all the time. BlueDeltaJeans.com. All right, now it is time to last call. Mine's going to be pretty quick, pretty simple, and it's just a team. A lot of times we use individual performances here in this segment, but my last call for week number seven, Missouri. It's the Missouri Tigers, right? Who was going to handle the defeat better? Was it going to be Kentucky and how they lost on the road to Georgia? Or was it going to be Mizzou in a game which they controlled a lot of against LSU at home? The crowd, right? This big crowd you had in Como, all this energy, all this momentum. You're up 22 to 7. You lose the game. How were you going to bounce back? Well, they bounced back in a big way on the road in Lexington. And Missouri is the real deal Holyfield. They are a team that's going to have a lot to say here down the stretch. And I don't care who they are on the schedule. Missouri's going to have a chance. And I realize who they have left in every single game they're in. This offense is one of the best offenses in the yeah. country. They truly are. Like Brady Cook, I was talking with former LSU quarterback Matt Flynn. We were watching tape earlier today. And we were just watching some Mizzou tape. And I'm like, hey, watch this Brady Cook guy, man. And just blown away with how he goes to his progressions. It's not just Luther Burden. It is three receivers. He'll spread mm -hmm. the ball out. Obviously, you've got a really good running game as well. It's a fun offense to watch. My last call is the performance in week number seven of the Missouri Tigers. I'm going to stay in the East uh, with another big win. This one at home. And and uh, talk of, of uh, Neyland Stadium being... You know, just like all the other stadiums, Gary Danielson was kind of taken out of context, but uh, the, <laughs> the, the Tennessee fans used that as a uh, a battle cry and uh, went out there and created a great home field advantage. The defense, though, to me, the, the defense is what is has been legitimized in my book. Uh, they were the Achilles heel of the last couple of years, Tennessee teams, uh, but they are no longer a laughing stock. That front seven is legit. We talk all the time about Pierce and and Beasley, but you yeah. look on the interior there with uh, Bryson Eason and uh, Amari Thomas, those guys have been difference makers up front and maybe one of the most impressive um, it, jobs of, of, of complimentary football, the punt that's down at the one yard line, the defensive stand where the, the, the line of scrimmage dominates yeah. the forcing of the punt and the return for the touchdown. That's how it's done, and uh, certainly Tennessee doesn't have the explosiveness on offense that they've had in the recent years, but they damn sure have a really good defense, and uh, celebrate those guys for getting a big home win against the Aggies, man. Great job by the balls. Yeah, they've got the defense, and they also have the running game. I mean, yeah. that's a very, very stingy Texas A&M run front and they just ran the football at will i mean that tennessee will do that defense in the, in the conference well and you they not, ran for 232 on them. hey you you and i said it yesterday if you have the number one rushing defense in the conference the next week's not going to go yeah. great for you yeah missouri so number one right now, LSU. <laughs> uh, i don't even want to look it up because i'm afraid who it is i'm afraid that we'll put some jinx on them let's not even look that yeah. stat up okay because in a and by the way their defensive front is really really good Legit. they'll be back and but it's just tennessee's run game because Josh Heupel gets thrown into the 
kind of air raid principles, spread them out. We're going to throw the football. And they do that, obviously. With Hendon Hooker last year, they were so good at it. The thing that people lose sight of is their offense gives them the ability to run everything mm. out of 11 personnel. Their tight ends, man, they work hard. So all the gap scheme runs that sometimes you just don't assume that that team's going to – they'll run power, they'll run counter, inside, outside zone, stretch lead. All of that's available in their run game, and that's what, to me – makes it so dynamic is the fact that it can kind of come from anywhere. Yeah, they definitely were impressive in terms of the level of physicality on the line of scrimmage. And really, uh, if you'd have told me that that uh, Joe Milton completed half of his passes and only threw for 100 yards, I would have said that the Vols lost by double no digits. Question. But the run game, the way that they were able to handle the, the one-on-one uh, blocks up front and, and really move uh, a great front seven uh, in Texas A&M's is, is impressive. And I think it speaks to you know, how this team is doing things a little differently than they've been able to do them in the years past, but still winning ball games. How about this quote before we move on from Tennessee and last call? So Alabama ranks dead last in the SEC with 31 sacks allowed. That's 130th in the country. Tennessee ranks third in the SEC with 24 sacks. That's best for fifth in the country. And they asked Coach Nick Saban, uh, are you you know, concerned about Tennessee and how they get after the quarterback? And his answer was simply, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he should, he should be because Tennessee in that front, man, they will get after you. It's a different style of team than it was a year ago. Definitely is a different style, and it, it presents some unique challenges for Alabama. Uh, can't wait to get into talking a little bit more of that as we preview the uh, the upcoming games in week eight. All right, before we get to our guest, and we are very excited for that guest, Grant Holloway, I want to tell you about our friends over at Richards Honda. Go check them out at richardshonda.com. No matter what you're looking for, they have got you covered. If you need that minivan, minivan gang, get that Odyssey. If you need that truck, get the Ridgeline. They've got the HRV, the Passport, the CRV, the Pilot, so many different midsize SUVs to choose from. You know they got the sedans, the hybrids as well. So many vehicles, so many options, incredible service, and that's why Richards Honda is home of the warm and fuzzy feeling. RichardsHonda.com, again, is that website. All right, we are, again, just incredibly excited for our guest coming up here. He is someone who has already won an Olympic medal. He is going for gold. He is the world champion in 2019, 2022, 2023. And that's just, right, that's just that portion of it because you go to the indoor he's won 2022 there as well inside outside interior exterior cd it does not matter for our next guest he is the man the myth the legend again going for gold yet again going to get there in the olympics this time mr grant holloway is our guest former florida gator track star all right, we are very excited to welcome our guests here to pregaming the SEC this week. It is definitely the fastest guest we've ever had here on the program. That is track star Grant Holloway, who joins us now, of course, former Gator as well. Grant, man, we appreciate your time. How you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Grant's really my guy. anticipating this one. Yeah, well, Grant, I've been, I was going to say, we've been talking about this for a while. It seems like the only time I ever see you, bro, is in the airport. You and I cross the path when we're on a, a flight here or there. But uh, what's next up on the schedule for you? Hey, man, right now I'm enjoying my offseason. Um, this past this past um, August, I was able to, to get my fourth world title, third one in a row. So right now I'm just enjoying the fruits of my labor. 
I'm doing fundraisers. I'm going out with friends. I'm hanging out with family. Like I'm doing, I'm doing exactly what I what I wish I could be doing in my when I'm when I'm when I want to be done with this sport. But I'm, yeah. I'm doing I'm doing it now, man. Well, don't don't do that anytime soon, man. Because you you just became you mentioned August, <laughs> one of the uh, two people in the history of the world to go back to back to back in the 110 meter hurdles. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know how you do it, bro. You, you're much more mentally tough than us football guys. First and foremost, like practice for you guys sucks. That was like the worst part of us having to train in the offseason was doing the track workouts and then making sure you're peaking at the right time. I mean, the consistency that you have, how, how do you maintain that consistency to be able to accomplish something like that? You know, it's, it's, it starts with the team. You know, everything that I do, I do it around my team, right? That's on the track, off the track, uh, treatment, uh, strength and conditioning. I hold my team accountable and they know at the beginning of the year it's, you know, I write my goals down. I hand them a slip basically saying like, this is what we're going to get done. Um, this is what I want to achieve. If I'm not doing, you know, the steps to get there, hold me accountable, pull me aside, tell me to, you know, tell me to shut up. It, like, do you want to, you want to be Olympic gold medalist or not? And, you know, it starts with my team, you know, everything we do is consistent around it. Um, especially like around this off season, um, my team, you know, they, they let me be me. You know, they let me go out, have fun. But mm -hmm. as soon as I give them that date, right now the date's um, November 12th. As soon as I give them that date, they know like, all right, it means business. Let's get on the let's get on the road. Let's get on the clock. You know, first things first, we got uh, indoor worlds, so I get to go defend my title at indoor worlds, and then obviously the Olympics are in Paris this year, so I get to get a little bit of redemption and make that silver or gold. So it's always it's always something. Always looking forward to it, man. Grant, so for us, like in the football world, we get done with the NFL season in, in January and maybe we take a couple of weeks off and we just don't do much and we get back going in February. Maybe, hey, some guys even March, although they didn't last maybe too long in the NFL. Yeah. When you say off season, though, knowing what where your body has to be, like what does that entail? Like how off are you truly? Um, right now, it's my motto. Well, motto I live by within track is I work hard so I can party hard. Yeah. Um, right now, Goring lives by that as well. <laughs> That's why we're such good friends, man. Come on, we, we that Look, way. little, little does everybody know me. And Chris was at Spurrier's, turned that place upside down one time. <laughs> but um, right now, I just finished my season September seventeenth. It's around, but I think today's October nineteenth uh, or eighteenth. I'm looking at my phone now. It's the eighteenth. So really, I took that month with with that. I usually take two weeks, do whatever I want, and after yeah. those two weeks. Let me just start going on a couple of runs. Let me go in the weight room. Let me just do some type of physical activity for an hour a day so then I can enjoy my night, you know. Let's just give myself, you know, just a catalyst just to continue just to, you know, work. And then obviously when November comes around, it's, you know, back to back to the grind, back getting healthy. And, you know, maybe a glass of wine there, maybe a, a old-fashioned Manhattan there. But, you know, really, you know, when you – you know how it is. When you start that goal or once you put that, you know, that slip or whatever you write down your goal or however you want to, you know, phrase it, once you get to that point, you're kind of just like, all right, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm honing in. This is why I'm practicing hard. This is why I'm doing all sorts of things. You mentioned the indoor season, the outdoor season. It's a, it's a busy schedule that you guys have, but everything seems to build up for that, that – once every four year competition in the Olympics. And you mentioned kind of the disappointment from the last Olympics and, and looking to get redemption. What, what was the feeling like for you after you put so much into that and then having it not turn out the way that you wanted it to? Yeah. I mean, 2021 was literally my best worst year ever. You know, I was able to go break the indoor world record in Madrid. 
I was able to go run the second fastest time and be 0.01 off the world record outdoors. So, you know, on paper, if you look at that, that's literally the best season anybody could ever have. It was 2021. And then I got to the Olympics and I was able, I was able to secure second, you know, so it's kind of like that, kind of like a hot and cold, bittersweet type of moment. So, you know, my goal now is really just when there's a major championship, everybody knows Grant Holloway is going to show up. You know, he's going to be in the final. He's going to be in a, in a lane. doesn't matter what lane at that point. We all got to run the same race. But I'm going to be in the final and, and, you know, just really just trying to just secure, you know, my legacy. Um, 2021 really taught me a lot. At that time, I was 23 years old um, at my first Olympics. So I was very eager just to get there. But at the same time, it was during COVID. So mm -hmm. no fans. Family wasn't there. We were stuck in the village. Literally, it was either yeah. going to the village or to the track. It was there was no in between, so I didn't really get out. But you know, Paris, that track, that city has been very, very nice to me. So I'm really looking forward just to get in there. Just this past um, in July, I was able to go there and run 12:98, another respectable time in the track and field world. So really, just looking forward just to get out there and just really just get my feet wet. What's it like for you trying to get back to the Olympics? Because I think a lot of people just assume, okay, well, you did it last time. You'll be back there again, right? It's not like you're under this four-year contract where it's just like, okay, I know I'm going to be there regardless. Like, you still have to get there. Like, there's a point yeah. you still have to have the times. You still got to show up. You still have to perform. And so what's that like knowing that that is the ultimate goal to get back to that point, but knowing you still have a lot of hard work in front of you to get there? Yeah, I mean, literally, you're – I say it lightly, but your dreams can really be crushed at the U.S. trials. You know, you yeah. at the U.S. trials, you have to place top three. It doesn't matter if you're sick. It doesn't matter if you're hurt. You have to show up on that day. And I think I think our day is actually July. No. Yeah. July 29th, I want to say, is our day. So literally on July, on July 29th, you have to be ready to compete. You have to be ready to run. Yeah. If you get four, hey, pat you on the back, send you on your way. You're not going to the Olympics. So, you know, the main goal is obviously to win, but the, the big goal is place top three. You know, if you go in there with the mindset like, oh, let me just try to get third. Let me muscle out third. <laughs> now you're wondering why you're fourth or fifth. Yeah. If you go out there with the mindset, let me just go out there, win, dominate on this day, reevaluate, and then when the Olympics come, you reevaluate again. <laughs> How recognizable are you? Like when, when you walk around, like, you know, amongst uh, Gator fans now, I still got a little recognition, but like, you know, the TV may have re relit that, but like it, normally not all that recognizable. You, you being on the world stage, is it more, are you more recognizable when you're in an international city than you are in the United States in some cases? So it, it's twofold. Like when I'm here in Gainesville, it's, I'm famous enough that I get in, I get things that I that I need for free or whatever, but not so famous that people don't bother me. Mm -hmm. And then when I go over, when I go overseas, they know me as an athlete. So regardless if it's like, oh, let me do the autograph or, oh, Grant, thank you so much for coming to our track meet. Here's a vintage bottle of wine. It's small things like that, but mm -hmm. not nearly as you know, on the level of, um, you know, in America, we're always competing against, you know, the deals. So I'm, I'm, I'm in competition with, Tom Brady, Floyd Mayweather, Tiger Woods, um, Patrick Mahomes, uh, LeBron James, you, you know, the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. And I'm at the I'm at the bottom of the totem pole for track, you know, with everybody. Oh, excuse me. I'm at the bottom of the totem pole because I'm a track athlete, but at the top of the totem pole because I, I run track. So yeah. it's always twofold. But um, the, the way it works usually is just, you know, it helps to be recognized especially in our sport because our sport doesn't get so much recognition we'll get some recognition because it's the olympics and obviously everybody thinks 
our track and fields only every four years, but they don't understand that we have world championships, diamond league. Like we have other meets to try to keep that up, but it's going to get, it's going to be really, really big this year, obviously because of the Olympics. So, yeah. you know, the main thing is, is, you know, you sign those deals, you go to these places, you do what you got to do. You know, you, you, you get the deals with Comcast, Delta, all these Olympics, uh, Olympic sponsors. So you get on the TV and you know, that's how you get your recognition. All right, I want to ask you this. Obviously, you are a track athlete, but there's a bio that makes it seem like you almost became a football player. It says you chose to compete for Florida in the hurdles rather than UGA in football. With it being Florida and Georgia week coming up, we got to hear that story. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's, that, that is very true. Um, at the time, Mark Rick recruited me. Um, uh, Brian McClendon, still the wide receiver coach at UGA, Still great friends with him to this day, but they really wanted me. One of my official visit told them I was like, yo, I'm in. Just give me some time. I want to sign on my birthday. Boom, 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 boom. Cool. That was around about October. Um, as we all know, there was that one point where Mark Rick had got fired. Brian McLean became the intern coach. So all that term oil was when I was committed. Mm-hmm. So after Mark Rick left, I got on the phone with, with Coach McLean and just told him, like, look, I, I it's too much going on. I just I, and I don't know. I'm not the biggest team player. I'll, I'll admit that right now. I'm not the biggest <laughs> team player. So I just told him I was like, yo, I'm just gonna go to Georgia. I mean, I'm gonna go to Florida. Call Coach Mike Holloway up. We started talking at the time. Jim McWayne was the coach. I had told him I wanted to play both ways. Jim kind of spoiled that out for me, and he was kind of saying like, you're not really Florida material for football. We'll have you walk on. My pride saying, like, yo, I'm not walking on no team. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can just easily go to track and field, do what yeah. I want to do. So I went to track and field. Obviously, Jim McElwain, I, I, let me just say the apple, apple don't fall too far from the tree. So after all that was done, I, I, my, my legacy here at the University of Florida uh, panned out to be a, um, a track and field athlete. I mean, it's not like we don't have a history of that. Uh, John Capel back in the day and Jeff Dimps. There you go. Jeff Dimps, was, he, was, he was a stud, right. straight stud. So I feel like we missed yeah. out, particularly on those those teams. They weren't exactly, you know, killing it at that time. Could have definitely used some of that uh, speed on the outside, man. All we needed is just a little bit of speed. We can always use a little bit of speed. That's right. Hey, so speaking of that, <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, – Paris and and you know the comfort there on that track like there there's certain stadiums I think has places we've gone where we feel more comfortable that we've yeah. been able to have bigger games is there mm-hmm. a favorite place that you have whether it be because of the track or the stadium or the environment that you like going and performing in front of honestly it's it's two tracks as soon as you ask me that question two tracks lit up on my mind um every year since I since I turned pro I've been going to this indoor track meet in Leavan France probably about two hours from Paris. I go there every year. Excuse me. I go there every year and I have the performances of my life. It's usually like my second or third meet of the season and I always go there and run fast. And then my favorite outdoor track so far, honestly, this past World Championships in Budapest, that really, you know, stole my heart. Um, to go there uh, and win the third one in a row, No, other than Greg Foster, he just passed away. So it, it like, just certain things that are a little bit sentimental to me and, you know, to go to those tracks and have fun and really just, you know, you see those type of things and you see it happen. And it's like, man, like I can come here every year, but um, definitely that track and that track and, and, and Leah van uh, the, the meat director loves me. The, 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 the hospitality is great. And um, like I said, I look forward to going to that track meet every year. All right. Before we get to, I, I, I want to talk about Florida, Georgia stuff coming up here, but 
rivalries in track, do you have a, a rival? Is, is there another country? Is a specific athlete? I mean, oh, wait, I, the, with that laugh, he certainly has one in mind. Well, I, I just, I re, I just rewatched the, uh, the, the Budapest um, thing back in August and, and watching Parchment. I know Parchment got you in the Olympics and, and yeah. trying to close on you there. Is he, is he one or is there another guy? So there, uh, and, and, Right now, Hansel Parchment at the age of, I think he's 33 or 34, he's playing some of the best, not playing, he's running some of the best track and field ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I give him like the little Al Horford title. He's the old man playing the best game that, that, that he can do. <laughs> um, Hansel Parchment is definitely up there. Um, if you go within the U.S., um, Daniel Roberts, I've been race, running against him at, while he was at Kentucky. I was at University of Florida. And obviously, we're coming up in the, in the pro ranks and we're still running against each other, so Definitely between those two, um, you got somebody who is in 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 the in the country, and then someone out the country. Um, I think those two are definitely um, are always you know people that you got to keep your eye out for. You got to make sure you're on your A game when you run against them. But then also you got these up and new coming young Thundercats that I like to call them. You got Rashid Broadbell, and also in Jamaica, you have Sasha Joya, another one coming from France. You have um, Martinez in Spain. Like, you have all these people that can always run their best race. And you always got to look out for, you know, you got to look out for them. So my biggest thing is when I run against them is be on the – so this, I'm going to try to put it in a little bit of football terms for everybody. Mm-hmm. My my thing for them is to be in the offensive mode. If I'm in offense and I'm attacking and I'm driving mm-hmm. and doing everything that I have to do, I'm good. As soon as I get in defensive mode because they're next to me or they're they're having a race of, they, of their life, that's when I'm in. That's when I'm in panic mode. Um, so my biggest yeah. thing is, if I stay in offense, I can have races like I did in Budapest. I can have races like I did in Oregon, and I can, I can, I can shock the world. But as soon what? as I get in defensive mode, it's not, it's not good. I figure being on offense. I mean, you are on offense literally because you're the fastest out of the blocks every time. <laughs> I mean, what, what's the key to getting a good start like that out of the out of the blocks? I mean, that's just a lot of reaction, uh, mm-hmm. reaction drills at the track. Um, it's just like anything else uh, for like an offensive lineman. You know, as soon as the ball is hiked, they got to they got to get going, or mm-hmm. they you know they're gonna get beat up the ball. So yeah. a lot of reaction drills for me. Um, the biggest thing is also is just really it, when I'm getting going, I'm so quick, I'm so fast over the hurdles. So I just gotta try to stay composed within myself. I gotta make sure I take care of it's fifty. I take fifty one steps in the whole race. I gotta make sure I take care of all fifty one steps. If I mess up on one step, then it's gonna mess up the next one, and it's a whole huge domino effect. That's what we don't want. It sounds like that the forty has right when nowadays yeah. when they're training for the forty. What's your fastest forty that you ever run? Right? Four, Me- four, two, two, four two 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 at at the age of seventeen. Wow! Yeah, I so ran thirty yards in four two two one time. <laughs> Look, I've been trying. I've, Chris saw me out there at, at, the, at the pro yeah. day last year. I'm trying to get out there and run the forty every single year, and everybody's like, "No, Grant, you can't do it. No, Grant, this is for the football team." No, Grant. Da, 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 da. I'm like, yo, we're making all these excuses. Let's. I just want to. I just want to add some flair, some spice to the guys. Like, who doesn't want to come watch somebody run four two in the forty? Yeah. Like right now. Like right now. Put me. Give me some cleats. I. I'll go yeah. out there and burn four two. That's easy for me. Like, let's I mean, just go and, out and there who knows? And have some fun. Yeah, who knows? I mean, Grayson from I, I, from LSU never played football at LSU, and he was in the NFL. He was a track guy at LSU because he went out there to pro day and ran a fast time. I tell. I told I told Coach Napier, I told Mike, uh, one of the directors of ops. I told I told Chris last year in front of Steve. Smith, yeah. I said, "Yo, Agent Eighty Nine, if y'all give me some cleats right now, I will go out there and burn this whole place apart." 
oh, get grants and cleats. Oh, no, we can't. He's not part of the manifesto. Well, where's the manifesto? He has it. Okay, well, he has it. Then let me sign myself up. No, we can't do it. It's just a whole bunch of he said, she said BS. Yeah. I'm just like, all right, guys, whatever. We got to get y'all on there yeah, next year. Yeah, I'm about to say, we got we to gotta get him on the field. Hey, CD, talk to your boy. Talk to your boys. I mean, look, they got 97 people wearing blue polos in that Gator team picture. They got more assistant <laughs> coaches than anything I've ever seen. One of them has has the docket that he's got to go over there and just sign his waiver so he can go run a four. Oh, my God. That's all I want to do. I don't want to do no shuttle. I don't want to do no broad jump. I'm like, ah. They just go out there, run at 40, go to practice like nothing happened. Do, do you get bored? Like, would you ever, uh, when you, you accomplish everything you want to accomplish, say, hey, I'm going to go play football now. Would you ever do that? No, no. no. I, my football career is done, man. Done. I, I, I went last out there. I, yeah. I'll be honest. Like, uh, Devin Allen is the big one right now. He plays for Philadelphia Eagles. He just returned one of the kicks for them. Yeah. I think they're playing. I don't remember who they were playing, but they gave him a nice little shout-out. Olympic earlier, you know, returning yeah. kicks. I see what he's going through. And the wide receiver room right now, and every, and all the teams, they're just stacked. And I, yeah. I have faith in myself, but you know how like some people be like, you gotta stay in your lane, literally yeah. stay in your lane. I gotta yeah. stay in my lane. Well, hey, that that also that's for people that aren't track stars. That's for people <laughs> that had a moment in track, but it didn't work out for them, and then they went to football. Like there, there's a big difference in had a moment in track and went to the Olympics, won a medal, and striving to continue on with their track career. Big difference. I, I'm glad everybody has faith in me, but I need to have some faith in myself before I go out there and make that decision. <laughs> All right, would you would you go full Willie Galt, Herschel Walker, and get a uh, bobsled uh, winter Olympic uh, competition going? See, I, I I would honestly like yes, I would, but then at the same time, it's like I want to sit my ass down. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> once I'm done, like my goal honestly is when I'm done. I want to go play golf, drink a couple, drink a couple of cold ones on the course, go pick up my son or my daughter or whenever that time comes for me yeah. and go home. Like I, yeah. I don't, I, my, my athletic career, it can be done. Like yeah. I feel like I've done everything I wanted to from the middle school ranks, high school, college, pros, uh, international. Like I feel like I've done it all. And now I'm just like, all right, you guys got it. The old, the old man's going to go sit down somewhere. So is it hard for you, like, when you go to all these great international cities to not want to, like, enjoy all of the temptation outside of what your training and focus is? Like, in the offseason, did you go anywhere? What's the best vacation you went to this offseason? This offseason, I went to Napa Valley with some of my great friends. Okay. And I enjoyed it, like, to the T. <laughs> sunglasses on. I mean, you know when the sunglasses are on, you know what that means. <laughs> but, like, literally, like, I, my thing is – I. I, like I said before, I work hard so I could party hard. So, like, yeah. after some meets, I might slip out with some of the other guys. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, this is the I'm – the, I'm the cleanest whistle in the box. But, like, honestly, like, you work hard and you you do all these things. You you can't not go celebrate, you know? Yeah. So, my thing is, is, like I said, I do it all in moderation. Mm -hmm. Like, when it's time, it's always a time and place for everything. All right, hey, let's get to the Florida-Georgia matchup coming up. It, it is a game in which CD knows all too well. It's one of the best scenes in college football. You got the 50-50 crowd. You got the split right there down the middle. You got Georgia, number one team in the country, going for their third national championship. How are we feeling? What's the vibe heading into that matchup? Um, I'm always through and through a Gator. I've watched it. I watched the Kentucky game. Very disappointed. I watched the Utah yeah. game. Very disappointed. But – 
There's something about Florida, Georgia, like everybody says. When it's a rivalry week, everybody plays different. Prime example, Colorado versus Colorado State. Yep. We thought that game was going to be a blowout, mm-hmm. and it looked very, very good, mm-hmm. like through and through. I was watching that game on the West Coast at night, and I'm like, I need to go to bed, but this game is really good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm always going to pull for the Gators. I am a realistic person, but at the end of the day, I cannot go against the, that blue and orange. Are you are you friends with any of the guys on the team currently? I mean, I'm a, I, Chris. If you were old head, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 becoming an old head. I yeah. don't know nobody. I, yeah. I have no. Yeah. I have no it clue. happens quick, doesn't it? I mean, you're, yeah, you're very, like, I, I'm I'm removed. I got yeah. four years at college. You get four years in college, and then you get four years after college. Yeah. I'm already removed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm already out. Yeah. yeah. I just want to know, like, you know, that what we saw against South Carolina, how much of that is who they really are? You know, how much can you trust that uh, what you saw in terms of their willingness to throw the ball down the field, the plays that guys were making, that that's who they're going to believe and not be the ones that are committing the turnovers and and the penalties and the the things that have killed them on those road games you mentioned. So we all I play the lick of uh, high school, uh, high school ball. You guys definitely played. So correct me if I'm wrong and, and excuse my ignorance for anybody listening. But we have a great quarterback in my eyes. I feel like Graham Merch is going to get the job done. And I feel like we have – this is really going to be ignorant for everybody. Listen, I feel like we have the best receiver in college football with Ricky Pearsall, with just his dynamic, his, his, available, his availability to catch the ball, run the routes across the middle, and even if he has to go deep. I think if we get those two clicking and our defense is able to hold, hold them to field goals, maybe a couple touchdowns, yeah. I think we can be able to compete. Um, but I think with Travis, not Travis Etienne, um, what's his brother's name? Trevor. Tra- with Trevor Etienne, yeah. I feel like he's another top, top dog with us. So if we can get the ball to our playmakers, maybe get them to touch the ball 11 to 15 times, you know, regardless, I mean, with his catchings or, or, or receptions or even run the ball, I think we can yeah. try to, you know, dilate some damage towards the defense and we can try to put some points up on the board. But Obviously, like like we always said, defense wins championships. So, um, I'm I'm I think it's going to come down to our defense. We have to be able to stop them, and at minimal, give let them just only get field, field goals. Hey, no Brock Bowers. That's obviously going to be very beneficial for the Florida Gators. I mean, that guy's a unicorn out there playing tight end, and so that's I one agree. weapon you don't have to worry about. Uh, before that, you go. Have you ever been to the Florida Georgia game in Jacksonville? Yep. Yeah, I went. I went after my first bowl title in 2019, and I, no, we didn't win that one. <laughs> no, we didn't win that one. We didn't win that one. Yeah, we, we pulled off the one with Kyle Trask. Uh, yeah, starting that we we dominated. Was that 18 good. CD? No, that was 19. That was 19. Right. No, was yeah, right. you there for that one. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, 19. 19. Yeah, with 19. Kyle, Kyle Trask Kyle was dealing. Yeah, yeah, with, with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, was that 19 or 20? Because that's the year we went to the SEC championship. Right. Yeah, Look, right. I it's don't 20. know. I just know Kyle it's Trask 20. was out there. No, no, yeah. no, you're right. It's 20. It's 20. Sorry. It 20. Right. We, we hadn't had a ton of them. But um, <laughs> so I, I got I got three things I want to bring up before we let you go. First and foremost, this is not the first time on pre-gaming the SEC that Grant Holloway's name has come up. Ben Shelton no. was on here and credited you with the uh, the celebration <laughs> that he uh, he does, man. Did did you know that? I mean, did he tell you that he got that from no. you? So it, it it all started 2019 when I won my first national title or my, my last national title. And at the time I was in limbo with, with shoe contracts. They were like, well, 
Grant Holloway hasn't really done this, blah, 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 blah. We don't think he's worth X, Y, and Z. So at that time, that was what the phone call was about. I was mm. like, yo, if you got any other questions, you just give me a call and I can give you my number before I change it because the IRS is going to come find me. <laughs> and then afterwards, Ben, fast forward, I, I, I was doing it. I've been doing it. Uh, world scene, everybody knows about it. And then Ben does it uh, while he's, uh, I think, U.S. Open, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the U.S. Open. And then he gets in the press conference. He's sitting down. Everybody's like, well, what's the phone call? And he said that. And when I tell you my phone went crazy, it went crazy. You would have thought I was at the U.S. Open. So <laughs> Ben is a great kid. We actually yeah. just finished hanging out um, maybe about a week, two weeks ago before he left for Tokyo. And he's he's wheeling and dealing right now. Yeah. So I'm happy for him. I'm happy for a little girl. All right. Second thing I want to ask you about the nickname Flamingo, man. Well, tell us the origin of that story, please. So at the time, when I first was coming up, um, 20, 2012, 14 years old, having hit puberty, no adolescence, blah, blah, blah. My, I'm straight arms and my torso is basically where my belly button is. And I just was just straight legs. Mm-hmm. So at the time, my coach, my high jump coach, Coach Sauer, Michael Sauer, Rasville High School, he said, yo, you got legs of Flamingo and just mm-hmm. stuck with me the whole time. Um, so Flamingo, Wonder Boy are the, are the two that they, yeah. they interchange out. And um, mm-hmm. Wonder Boy started just because I got to about my junior, senior year, playing football, running track, just dominating just the whole 757 area. And one of my best friends, Vince Flow, he was like, yeah, you're going to do wonders. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to call you Wonder Boy. And when their name blows up, just give me, just give me a little bit of credit and I'll go about my business. Yeah. Well, I was watching the intro to the, uh, the 110 meter uh, hurdles that, at the world championships in Budapest and you didn't really get it up much before the, the race. Or is that, is that always how you come out or do you, are you tempted to be yeah. a little more hype? I, I'm tempted to be a little bit more hype, but that, that race was strictly business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with everything going on, um, they had me projected to get third. Um, they, it was just a lot of talk. Yeah. So at that point, you know how it is when you hear a little bit of backlash towards your name. You're like, all right, I'm going to go in here. Strictly business. I'm not yeah. going to talk. I'm not going to talk to no media before or after I run. I'm only going to talk to them after I, I prove all you guys wrong. So I came out. I was locked in. And you know how you have that feeling before the play is even called. You're like, oh, this is a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, before I even got into blocks, I was like, look, as long as you don't fall start, Grant, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the gun went off and like literally I can just – I rewatched the race and my surge just – when I just started just pulling away from everybody, it was just remarkable. And, you know, that race will always be special to me because at that time people don't know, like two, three weeks before I was – I had just gotten a, a big fight with a hurdle. Like basically I fell at practice. So mm. – I was just like, all right, this is not the way practice is supposed to be going before world. Yeah. But um, it it worked out well. So it's strictly business yeah. for that one. Yes, I, I don't know about you, man, but uh, the thing that I miss the most is running a deep route and watching the ball, the spiral coming towards <laughs> you when you know you're about to catch it, man. It's not a prettier thing yeah. in, in the world to see. Hester, is there a vision from playing that you miss the most? Oh, a backside cut on a zone run. 
Yeah. Like oh, when yeah. I'm opening up and I'm looking for, but out of the corner of my eye, I you know that it. there's going to be a backside <laughs> cut and it's a feel like you can feel it and mm-hmm. see it. Right. And you have to stay disciplined enough to continue to stay square long enough to continue to manipulate the defense where they mm-hmm. continue to over pursue. And then you just put your foot in the ground and you hit it and you feel Got like you're shot there. out of a cannon. Mm-hmm. Great. So while you're running the race, man, is there a vision that you enjoy the most? Oh man. Of course, getting to that finish line before everybody else. You can see my eyes. They start they start getting real big. <laughs> I saw Parchment looking over at you in that race. Like he's, you know, uh, trying he to. Thought he, was going, he thought he was going to close. He always does that, though. Like before before this. So we had, we ran a double round that day. We ran semi and final that day. So in the, <laughs> in the semi, he was running through the line, looking at the next sure he's going to make it, make it through. Uh-huh. But there's no better feeling when you, for me, is when you hear that gun goes off. Yeah, and you can just feel yourself accelerating. You're like, holy shit! I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it. Like I can feel yeah. my speed. I can feel my surges. I think that, and then going to the finish line, and you can already hear the crowd yelling because they, yeah. you, they, they looking at that time, and they're like, oh, oh. like those, <laughs> that, those, those experiences are, are, are better than none. Man. How many miles an hour is that? Like, what's the fastest you've ever been miles per hour clocked? You know, I. I'm, I don't know why 22 popped up in my head. I was going to say, in football, Hess, when they, when they have the uh, the tracking on them, I think you get up 21, 22 is pretty fast. You're oh, probably okay. faster so, than 20. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm giving myself, if they, who, wait, Tyreek Hill or Devon Aiken is, 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 is 20, A is 21 or 22. I give myself 23. Okay. Yeah. All right. Last thing, man. You and I spoke uh, probably a, a month or so ago. You asked me about participating in your charity event, and uh, you recently just had that, man. Tell everybody oh. about what you did, what you guys were able to man. raise, where that money goes. And so um, right after World Championships, I basically said I want to do a golf tournament, and everybody was like, well, it's kind of close to what you want to do. I don't know how much money you're going to make. You know, everybody's just being the realist, and I was just like, look, I got my mind to it. I'm going to raise $8,000 over my dead body. I'll, I'll, I'll figure out $8,000. Yeah. So calling family, calling friends, got title sponsors, doing this, doing that. We get to the tournament at the time. We've um we've raised $15,000. And the last week, I'm like, you know what? I feel like I can get more. Mm-hmm. So I went around. I'm talking to different companies, sending emails out. I was able to almost raise $30,000, dog. So you know, all the proceeds and all the money that I was I'm able I was able to raise is going to go towards feeding, you know, less fortunate families during this holiday season. So that's for Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, whatever, whatever we got to do. So I'm going to start partnering with a couple of food banks, a couple couple people and really just figure out how many how many meals, you know. But like that, that's the thing. Like once you put your mind towards something, you can do whatever you want. Like It might not yeah. have happened right away. But if you keep, you know, working at it, and it's the same thing. I call Chris. I'm like, look, I'm just trying to raise money. It's not for me. It's not for. It's, it's not for anybody uh, to, to to really take and pocket it. Is we're gonna we're gonna just make a big old change here in Gainesville. And mm-hmm. I, I I was able just to be a little bit of the change. Now, obviously, there's a lot more that we can probably do around Gainesville. But you know, it just starts with a little bit of here, a little bit there, and then obviously yeah. everybody's gonna hop on that coattail. And, Everybody has the same goal and, and, and it'll work itself out. But, you know, just to raise that money and to have the support and the event turned out really well. You know, mm-hmm. we had about 25, 26 teams out there, a four-person scramble. Winner got to take home 
um, a, a six dollar plaque, and everybody got to have food and booze. You know, it's just it was it was it was a great time. But um, yeah. you know, I can't wait for next year. I'm already thinking about when I want to do it. I just got to make sure the Gators are off on the weekend. I have reached out to Coach Napier to come out. I reached out to Tim Walton to come out. Um, reached out to Sully to come out. You know, all these all these big yeah. wigs and big big people here in, in, in the Gainesville area just to come out and have some fun. Man, that is awesome. He is someone who's so athletic. His coach called him Flamingo. Coach Saban used to call me Stubby Legs, and we know why <laughs> that happened, and we can see the two running styles and probably figure out those nicknames <laughs> there. Hey, man, Grant, this has been a lot of fun. We appreciate your time, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me, brothers. I cannot wait to get back on. You guys just let me know. That sounds good. good. You guys are doing a good deal. Thank you, man. Good luck here uh, in the upcoming season, man. We'll be watching. Hey, I appreciate you guys. All the best, guys. Cheers. All right, we want to thank, well, one, CD for setting this up, but also, again, former Florida Gator, USA track star, going for gold in the upcoming Olympics. Mr. Grant Holloway was good enough to join us here. And like I said, definitely the fastest uh, guest we've ever <laughs> had on the podcast. Also, like, jumping over hurdles, so athletic and fast. Uh, that's you ever hurdle? Either one you I could do. You ever competed CD. in CD. CD, CD, you've seen the way I'm That's built, true. right? That's Low true. man wins. Okay, yeah. I'll say that for myself. But also, do you think I've hurdled before? No, no, no. I don't think you have. That was a bad. What about you, PK Young? I, were no, you I've the... never, I've, I, I never competed in track and field. You know, I was always football, baseball, basketball. But um, I, I have a lot of respect, as I said earlier when we talked to Grant, for those that can go out there and push through the mental grind that it takes to be a track athlete. Uh, yeah, I, Hey, 400 did run the 400 in did high you? school. Yeah. That's about as far as these little stubby legs could take me. That's the worst event there is because Awful. I think it's like the longest true all out sprint that you got to go through. Well, and it just, every time you run afterwards. it, it's different every time. And yeah. you try to make it consistent. It's incredibly hard. That's sure. why like, it's like world-class like athletes have to be really good at the 400 in my opinion, because if you're just like a good athlete and not world-class, you're going to run that race different every single time you run yeah. it and now i'm having ptsd of having to run the 400 and <laughs> practice for it so let's move on to the pre-gaming portion of you guessed it pre-gaming the sec hey just a quick note on this game it's lsu hosting army we're not going to spend a ton of time on it but i love this for lsu i love the fact that they're not playing directional school you here in, in this week they aren't going to play a team that really would create no momentum, no juice. This one has it. I'm look, I'm here in Baton Rouge. I was just over in Tiger Stadium. They painted the end zones camouflage yeah, in cool. honor of Army. Mm -hmm. uh, there's already a ton of Army cadets that were on campus walking around, touring the stadium. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. And going to Army Navy last year, I think I have an even more of a high level of respect for this game. It, if you play a game like this, I love the fact that it's Army, like yeah. in a service academy, because it, it gives some life to a game that otherwise it just it wouldn't have because Army is special. Army being here makes it special, and I think it's pretty cool. Hess, does Army still run the, the triple option? So they run the, like, Jamie Chadwell type of option. Okay. I mean, he's at Liberty now, but when he was at Coastal Carolina, you remember, like, it, there's still option. yeah principles to the offense, but with the, the rule changes as far as cut blocking, they – can't really run the triple option like they once did. And so they're actually throwing for like 180 yards a game. So like for yeah. them in their terms, that's like 400 for somebody they're still, else. They're still running the football as the primary yes. means of their operation. So I, are you at all worried about 
what this presents because I, I never liked stepping out of conference. Once you start playing SEC games, it was always weird to go play. You know, back in the day, we used to play homecoming games against non-conference, you know, uh, kind of mid-major type programs. And it never was fun to really go play those games. Are you worried at all about them having to step out of conference now at this point in the season and play against an offense that has a little gimmicky aspect kind of to it? No, normally I would be. Normally I would agree wholeheartedly with you, but I think because it's Army, I still think you have a focus for your team. I think it's a heightened focus because of who you're playing. Also, it's, a, it's been a football team that's been really good. Yeah. And now their record two and four, but they played Syracuse tight. They played Boston College tight. Uh, they beat UTSA. So I think they get your attention. So it's the best case scenario for what you're talking about because we've all been there. We've all played the schools that it's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm fired up. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing doing all the things that I'm <laughs> normally going to do for an SEC opponent, and you know you're not. So yeah. I, I completely agree with you, but I think this is a unique opponent that kind of gives you a little bit of the other way. Anxious to see how uh, how that game plays out, but some big ones yeah. in the uh, – you want to start with the big one or you want to end on the big one? We're going to end on the big one. We're going right. to start – we're going to start um, a little slow out of the blocks because this game, Mississippi State at 3-3, three and three, Arkansas at 2-5. and five. It's an 11 a.m. local time kick. Arkansas is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. This one feels pressure-packed for both head coaches. It, it, it just – it does to me. Arkansas has had a brutal stretch. We laid it out. Credit to them for fighting their ass off last week in Tuscaloosa yeah. and making that every bit of a four-quarter football game and having mm -hmm. a chance in that game. And I wonder, okay, after that, was that emptying the tank? Was that literally everything you had? Or does getting back home against an opponent in which you're a favorite, does that help you out here? And again, like Sam Pittman, we love him here. He needs this win. And Zach Arnett does too. I, I know this is Zach Arnett's first year. Mississippi State has kind of built a standard of of better football than they've played so far this year. Yeah, it's been disappointing because I think you know we you and I both felt like the media picking Mississippi State to finish last in, in the the West was a little disrespectful given all they returned. Yeah, uh, don't I haven't heard the status update on Woody Marks or Will Rogers yet, but um, you know hopefully those guys were able to go. Uh, and on Arkansas side. You know they they've been dealing with what five straight losses and and even though they played hard against Alabama at the end of the day it's still a losing effort. Um, KJ Jefferson was fantastic in that game and and just the physical specimen he was when Terry on Arnold tried to take him down. That's one of my lasting memories of of how <laughs> the Arkansas Razorbacks yeah. kind of played that day. Coach Saban's too. Yeah, that was great, wasn't it? But uh, <laughs> I, I um, who you lean here in this one because it's it's kind of hard to handicap. I think if I had to pick i'd probably lean arkansas but really yeah. not one that you feel confident about either way i would not feel great laying the points here uh six and a half is a pretty big number i like arkansas maybe to win the game but I, not by a touchdown this feels like it's going to be kind of a like a good mean nasty tough type game but also kind of uh three yards in a cloud of dust type of game <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. so like i don't I, like the number at 48 and a half like i don't even love that over under right now so Seems this is like one i can right. see i can see one a little bit clunkiness to it but i think arkansas probably finds a way it just they're still still fighting and that's why again i want to go back to see if they've got anything left after the fight they showed last week in tuscaloosa yeah no doubt about yeah. it man what's next all right, let's go to let's go to this one. Let's go Mizzou 
and South Carolina. Mizzou mm-hmm. six and one, South Carolina two and four. Missouri's a seven and a half point favorite in this one. Over under set at 60 and a half. Big number there. This is a game that is a must win for Mizzou because if you want to start being in that conversation of teams that have a real championship aspiration, real championship opportunity, you can't lose games like this. And that's the obvious statement, but I'm talking about the two and four portion of it. You need to go win games like this because we're putting you right now in a different category. Mm -hmm. We are putting you in a category with Tennessee. We're putting you in a category with LSU. We're putting you in a category with Ole Miss of teams that are trying to make that last step. You're right there, right? You can see the champ. He's in striking distance. Can you go hurt the champ? Can you go get there and get to Atlanta? I'm putting you firmly in that category. And these are the type of games. Not only do you need to go win, you need to show your dominance. You need to go flex your muscles a little bit in this one. So I'm going to be paying close attention to this one. Um, Look, it's a 2.30 kick. It's a great TV window. A lot of eyeballs going to be on this game. And I hope a lot of people get a chance to see just how good this Missouri football team is if you haven't watched them already. Really impressed with what they've done offensively. Brady Cook is is, uh, having a tremendous year. He's got a a ton of weapons at his disposal. Mm -hmm. I think maybe one of the 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 highlights for me this year has been watching Kirby Moore, uh, the 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 younger brother of Kellen Moore, who has been a, a great addition as the play caller, offensive coordinator for that team. What he's done yeah. in, in his a level of aggressiveness and uh, timeliness for calling some of the big ball plays, it's been a uh, it's been a lot of fun to to uh, to kind of watch that offense. And Brady Cook is uh, is a perfect fit for that that trigger man role. I mean, just think about fans were booing him at the beginning of the season. You remember that when Eli Drinkwitz came to the podium? He's I don't like, know Hold if that up. was real. I know he addressed it. I don't. I never heard the actual boo, so you never know. Maybe that was trying to create a little edge or chip on his shoulder. But I've talked to people that were there that day that said, I don't know if I really actually heard any boos, but uh, he's turned it into a big deal, and it's been a, a motivating factor for sure. Whatever he did, it worked. Yep. So it, whatever you got to do, drink just go to the podium and do it yep. because whatever happened there it has worked out for the missouri tigers and they are one of the teams man that i'm just fascinated by i, I love when a team gets in that that point and we talked about it kind of with kentucky because they've been in this this situation before where they're trying to prove to a lot of people just how good they are and now yep. they have opportunities to do that not just to us here in the sec but really to the entire country and again you got to win a game like this if you want to get to that point. All right, as we continue to pregame the SEC, I love this one. I love this game because I am expecting chaotic energy around it. It is Ole Miss at 5-1, and one, traveling to take on the 3-3 three and three Auburn Tigers. Ole Miss, a 6.5-point favorite in this one, over-under set at 54.5. It is going to be right there, smack dab, primetime on ESPN, and Jordan-Hare is going to be electric. I, they don't care. They don't care that LSU just beat Auburn 48-18. to 18. Those fans are going to show up. That building mm-hmm. is going to be special, and Ole Miss has to be careful here. Like I, this is one where Ole Miss, if they want to get into that category, like we're talking about with Mizzou, yep, right. If they want to continue to have a chance at Atlanta, maybe be a different type of program under Lane Kiffin. This is a game you've got to go win. It's a legitimizing game. I felt like yep going on the road last week to Kentucky was a legitimizing game for Missouri. Yep, this is the same thing. And you you mentioned the comparison between the Tigers and the Rebels. Um, last year they were rolling, right? Top 10 team 
uh, and then fell off the cliff with the rumors of, of Lane yeah. Kiffin heading to Auburn to take over. Was that it job. seven and zero oh and, and finished what eight and five? Uh, something like that. I don't. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I think. But, I think it was seven and zero CD. Yeah, and they finished eight and five. But you know, this is a team that is better than than Auburn in a lot of aspects. They should be able to go win this game. But going into that environment, we know what it did to kind of even the playing field between Auburn and and Georgia a couple weeks ago. Um, we we know. I don't know if you saw the history of this. Ole Miss has not beaten Auburn in back to back years in like seventy one years. So yeah. History would tell you it's not likely to happen. I think this is a a, a a huge pitfall waiting to see how sloppy uh, Ole Miss is going to be. We don't yeah. know the status of Jackson Dart. We don't know the status of Trey Harris. Both of those guys were banged up pretty bad before the bye week and that last outing against Arkansas. If they're not at 100%, if they're not focused, this team could fall into that that pitfall. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm just curious. You know how teams are that are, you know, have their backs against the wall like Auburn does. When they go on a bye week, do they come up with some wrinkle? Do they come up with something brand new? I yeah. think offensively they need to go to to Robbie Ashford and see what they can do to just run the ball as much as possible. I agree. And see if they can't, you know, find an advantage that way. I agree with you. Robbie Ashford was more effective against LSU last week. Yeah. I mean, he at least extended plays. Now, it wasn't a pretty play. It wasn't you know, two by two, let me hit my back foot. When I hit my back foot, I'm reading the coverage, the ball's out. It wasn't that. It was kind of run around, roll to your right, by time, by time, by time, find a guy in the end zone. Yeah. But they found a guy in the end zone. It worked at the end of last year. <laughs> Think about when Caddy had those guys playing their best against Texas A&M at the end of the season. Yeah. You, know, it, you created a little bit of an identity of who you wanted to be as a, a run-first offense. This team has already run the ball way better than they've thrown it. They're very limited in terms of offensive explosiveness. So why not come do something completely different that you know they haven't seen a lot of on tape up until this point? Yeah, I agree with you as well. Again, I, there's a reason why this is only a touchdown spread in, in Ole Miss. You know, you would think they'd be favored by more, but reading you know in between the lines of this game, I'm expecting a full four quarter game right down to the wire. E- even though like the matchup. You know, it's similar to what we had last week with Auburn and LSU because Ole Miss and LSU's offenses and what they can do and some of the things that their defense has not done. But yeah. this one just feels different because I think, one, it's in Jordan-Hare and, and two, just the dominance in this series that Auburn's had. Beware, Ole Miss. Beware. Yeah. Don't don't think you're going to walk in and get out of there with an easy dub. Yeah, I feel you in that one. I'm right there with you. All right, let's get to the biggest game of the week in the SEC. It is number 17, Tennessee at 5-1, and one, traveling to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to take on the 11th-ranked Crimson Tide. This is a 8.5 point as we sit here and record this. It's gone down to 8.5 point spread in favor of Alabama over under set at 48.5. I mean, both teams would have gone over the over a year ago in this matchup, a completely different matchup, or we're mm. expecting at least, as far as scheme, point totals, quarterback play that we saw last year in Knoxville, Tennessee. And speaking of streaks, this is a a series that I was surprised when I heard this. Tennessee has not had back-to-back victories over Alabama since 0203. Yeah. Like I I realized they had a long streak, but I'm like, man, Philip Fulmer had Tennessee in the SEC championship game in 07. Like they didn't between then. No. I mean, it has been I wasn't in college football yet, CD, the last time that Tennessee has beaten Alabama in back-to-back years. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe it's been dominated uh, so significantly. In two decades. Yeah, it, it definitely has. But 
what a uh, what a difference a year makes, you know, for both fan bases. For Tennessee coming off that that win last year in in Knoxville, you feel like maybe you can play on a little bit more even playing field than 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 what you had been previously. For Alabama, revenge on the mind of the Alabama mm-hmm. Crimson Tide fans. The motivating factor of not playing for a full four quarters against Arkansas last week. I think you know Alabama is going to have both eyes on on Tennessee for the entirety of the game. I think that wake-up call could be one of the worst things that happens for the Vols. I expect uh, Alabama to play really well in Tuscaloosa. I don't have a feel in this game yet, and I'm like, wait a minute. We're like, we're kind of close to game time. I mm. still – I just don't have a feel. Like the thing that we just read out about Tennessee's defensive front, that's what I'm kind of hesitant. I'm like, okay, Milroy does a, a good job of escaping the rush, and I think that's why he's the best option for Alabama. I mean, remember when Ty Simpson went in against South Florida? I mean, he was basically just a target practice for South Florida's defensive mm-hmm. line, right? They got after him a little bit. I think Milrow, with how he can move around, is the best option without question for this Alabama team. Like, can he do enough? Like, how much can Tennessee get after him? Can they get him on the ground? So that's storyline number one for me. And then can Tennessee run the football on this Alabama front is story number two in the game. Yeah, I don't I don't know that um... – Tennessee's going to be able to do that. I said the same thing last week as they were going up against Texas A&M, and they proved me wrong there. But I, I, I are you to, off Texas A&M? I I'm mean, off it's been Texas two. A&M. Yeah. Okay, all right. Look, like, they're on a bye week. We're not going to talk Aggies. Aggies. It's yep. been two weeks in a row that they have not done right by Christopher Paul Dorn. No, they haven't. They made me look stupid. In fact, so you know, I'm I'm not going back to that well anymore. <laughs> but uh, I will go back to uh, to what I believe in, and that's Alabama's front seven. That's Alabama's defense as a whole. Uh, I do think it's going to be a tough matchup for Alabama's offense, uh, both yeah. in terms of their ability to run the football against that the uh, the Tennessee improved front seven and the ability to block. You know, I, I, they have not done a very good job of of pass protecting, and and uh, with the way that that Tennessee penetrated last week against A and M, it's going to be a tough matchup. I think it is going to be a low scoring ball game. I think it's going to be another physical game. Yeah. I wonder how much playing back to back really physical games. Uh, for Tennessee matters at the end of the day, but um, you know I think this is one that I'm I'm ready to 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 go all in on Alabama in this one. I think Alabama ends up winning a double digit uh, okay win for some reason. I, I okay I thought about that this morning. I told Alyssa I was sitting in the bathtub and it hit me that Alabama's going to beat Tennessee down. And I, I guess <laughs> my the 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 feeling as one often thinks in the bathtub. Yeah, I was thinking about that, and uh, it just struck me how. Florida was able to really out physical Tennessee in that September game in the swamp home field advantage matters this year, more so than I remember in the last couple seasons here in the conference. So uh, I I think I'm going with the tide at home in T town. It's very fair. I mean, it's a great point. Tennessee's a different team at home, just like Auburn's a different team at home. And now every team you can kind of make that case, but some way more than others. And I think Tennessee and Auburn might, might actually be the two best examples we have here in the SEC. And if you're wondering, wait a minute, that's it? Yeah, uh, pre-gaming the SEC is done pre-gaming because Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, A&M, and Vandy all on bye weeks. Yep. Five, Five games teams. in the SEC this week. That, uh it's a uh, it's a an interesting part of the the schedule when we start having conference games and buys going on and not yeah. nearly being overloaded with the the fourteen games that yeah. we have in weeks one and week two. All right, um, before we get out of here today, let us be front runners. Got how to. are we going to be? How are we going to be front runners? Well, uh, when we have take it to the bank and our best bets, sometimes when we don't have the best weeks, we just kind of like mention it on the way out. 
Um, we're going to say it with our chest out this week because we went a combined five and one, and we are Let starting clear, to hit our stride. You were three and oh, I was two and one, so you did that really heavy lifting. Uh, where I got myself into trouble, I went on the opposite of uh, one of your bets yeah. there and uh, took my took the only loss for the, the duo here. It's okay, on hey, gaming. hey, five out of six will win you a lot of money, no doubt, if you no stay doubt. on that path. Uh, now. With that being said, it's going to be a very interesting slate. I think when we turn our best bets in tomorrow, we could be going against each other in some of these games. It feels like we could. It feels like we're going to be going against each other because there's only a few games and kind of these some of these spreads, they yeah. are very stinky. I mean, they are just terribly stinky, right? Like the Ole Miss is stinky. The Tennessee is stinky. Um, I think – I think the Arkansas Mississippi State one is very interesting. Uh, you know, LSU is a 31 and a half point favorite. So I'm not sure that either one of us would probably play one side of that or the other, not really knowing how they're going to kind of, you know, handle yeah. that game as far as personnel and different things. And so that one maybe not even touching, but some very interesting, stinky type lines this week. Yep, no doubt, man. Beware. This is the uh, the time of season. <laughs> it is. Vegas gets you with some of these uh, stinky lines that you're referring to. Yes, it's just like, yeah, no, for sure, right? No, like for sure, for sure. No, yeah. there's a reason why there's so many of those big buildings in Vegas. And again, we'll have those best bets out on Friday, maybe probably Ish, Saturday Friday morning. <laughs> probably Saturday morning and that's going to do it for week eight of pre-gaming the sec cannot wait to watch this weekend's games and then next week we know what it is it is and i thought it was supposed to be georgia florida because the winner gets head headliner there but you you tell me florida Georgia. you're on the show with me first and foremost florida you know obviously (laughs) close to my heart but f comes before g so it's always going to be the florida georgia game in my book yeah, we got that one coming up next week, so you can expect us to uh, be very spirited when we talk about that matchup. We will see you next week for week nine of pre-gaming the SEC. Same time, same place here, YouTube. Um, if you want to hit us up on social media, Instagram and Twitter, at pre-gaming the SEC on YouTube, just search us, like, subscribe, the whole deal. And we appreciate you listening on SiriusXM, SEC Radio, Channel 374. We'll see you next week.